What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. On the Sideline, a podcast for coaches and aspiring coaches, where we share the best practices of coaching, interview with coaches, and experts in the field of coach education. Here's your host, Vin Blaine. Welcome to another episode of On the Sideline. I'm your host, Vin Blaine. On today's episode, I'll be talking to Parrish Taylor about mental and emotional training. Parrish, who is the founder and managing director of TaylorMade Concepts, is a practitioner and published author in the field of human performance, adult learning, organizational development, and leadership. Thank you for joining me on the side in Parrish. It's a distinct pleasure to have you on. Hi, Ben. Thank you, sir. All right. Glad to have you. I was running through some of your lectures. I came across one that I think would benefit coaches to understand what they go through. And sometimes they go through mental problems, not, let me not say problems, but challenges me. And they can't explain why. Or if they knew some reasons why they behave that way, they, they can probably reflect and change in certain areas. So I want to know. If they, if they were to look at their mental and emotional, how would it play a role in their development? I think the big thing, Vin, is, you know, if you were uh, an athlete in the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, like I was, there was a movement that went across the country called Bigger, Faster, Stronger. Um, you know, the idea was we took the body into the weight room. So now, uh, given all these new technologies, specifically neuroscience, we see this brain-body sync. Uh, so when we study top athletes, uh, we're now recognizing that there are mental and emotional skills that are enabling that athlete to do two things. One, perform under pressure, but more importantly, to do it over extended periods of time, you know, sustain it. So the idea is we got the brain in the weight room now. Yes. Well, I think when it comes on to coaches, uh, because I'm, le- I'm kind of leaning towards coaches, I know athletes definitely need it. But do you think that if a coach understands that approach, and he can always he can pass it on to his players. You, yes. you, you agree with that? One hundred percent. So um, what we what we propose, and uh, we've had we've implemented on several different levels. We've implemented the program with our high school coaches, a few college coaches, and the idea there is that once we understand that there's a mental and emotional agenda here, our coaches are able to during practice. When you're looking at a drill station or you're working with an athlete at a drill station, we often look at the physical attributes, you know, whether their form or their fundamentals physically are in, mm-hmm. intact. Mm-hmm. Now we have new engagement strategies, conversations that coaches have with their athletes that deal with the mental and the emotional. So uh, everything from practice, new engagements, you know, if we have them for two hours or three hours of practice, they have another, uh, you know, 20 hours on their own. Now the athlete goes and they have more what I call thought processes then, mm-hmm. you know, we give them some specific mm-hmm. thought processes that just like going into the weight room and doing your sit-ups, when you engage in these thought processes, you develop these skill sets. Mm-hmm. And that's what a coach wants. A coach mm-hmm. wants to engage these athletes, 
uh, his athletes, her athletes in these activities. Because, you, you know, when you really get into it, you're talking about getting into that loop and really, you know, we don't want to get into all that. But that's something a coach can do here. We have these exercises called the MEF uh, or the T, the T-E-A or the word cluster. What's the first so one again? Are, M-A? What's the first one? M-A? Uh, it's M-E-F. Oh, M-E-F. Okay. Um, and what M-E-F? It stands for most excite fear. Okay. And again, it's an engagement that a coach now has with the athlete that basically... You know, science is teaching us, man, how much we actually have going on in the mind. Mm -hmm. And that's what we recognize now. The mind will either help or hurt Mm -hmm. athletic performance. So what we want these coaches, our coaches to do now, start engaging these new conversations, these new thought processes or exercises that strengthen skill sets. Okay. I want to get this out of the way so I I can let you flow. Mental mental strength Mm -hmm. and and, uh, mental toughness. Are those the mm-hmm. same, or is there is a difference when it comes down to athletes? Mental, because I hear I hear that word thrown around all the time. Oh, you're not mentally tough, or you're not strong. But from your from your learning, can you yeah. explain what the difference is? If there's a difference, yeah, and that's common, right? In our athletic space, uh, if you've been athletics, you know, mental toughness, mental strength. The way I interpret that, given the new science, is, is two different things. Mental strength. Is, is what am I doing to strengthen my mental skills and abilities? What activities am I doing throughout the day? Where mental toughness is in that moment. Uh, it's about the anatomy of the clutch or the anatomy of a choke. And do you have that mental skill or ability in that moment to focus on the task at hand? Um, we've got some amazing research out there, Ben, mm-hmm. on what elite athletes are doing. Um, and it's millisecond to millisecond decision-making. Okay. So don't get too far off on that, man. But um, so, so mental toughness. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. No, mental toughness uh, has to do with, again, in that moment, that on-demand, that corrective action. Right. Uh, that one has to make. You know, you just got one knocked out on you, or you just missed it, and you got to be able to recover quickly. That's mental toughness. Whereas mental strength is, again, to me, implied as things that we're doing to condition it and prepare for that moment. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can, could I, could I use another example when a player is going to be taking a penalty? Exactly. The way that athlete responds to that moment. And again, there's going to be emotional outbursts, right? Mm-hmm. That's why the passion is hot. Mm-hmm. But the recovery, it's, it's about recovery, rapid recovery in that moment because we still have game to play. We mm-hmm. still need that optimal performance. Yeah. All right. So it's mental strength and emotional strength. Does emotional fall under mental strength? Yes. Yeah, so no. The short answer is 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 the way we are wired, um, and we're we're learning from our neuroscience now. Mm-hmm. Is the way we teach this, uh, Vin? Is it's you have mental strengths. So we separate them. Um, in my school, my workshops, I have a model called T T E A. And so the T teaches us that there's mental strength and conditioning exercises to develop our mental skills, but now we have emotional skills. So even though they're directly connected, Van, because they play off of one another, so especially in an athletic competition, we have to separate them. Okay. So we look at our mental strength and conditioning exercises, but we also have emotional strength and conditioning exercises. Okay. Um, and it's all because of the emotional brain, what we call the hijack. The, the emotional brain can hijack uh, an athlete, which is how we, that's the choke. That's what you call the anatomy of a choke. 
Oh, <laughs> that's, that is true. And we hear, we, have, we hear that all the time in, in sport, that they have players choked. In those games, that you need that mental, that mental strength. Now that we got that out of the way, what are some of the areas or what some of the exercises when you're looking at the, uh, training mental strength? Let's go with one first and then we'll go with emotional. Let's go with the strength first. What are some yeah, of the things? So, yeah, so uh, you're asking me what, what would one exercise be that I'd give a coach to go give an athlete? No, I th I'm just talking overall. If you're trying to develop mental strength in a player or a, or a coach, a coach comes to you and even in his day-to-day um, -day work, he, he has a decision to make about a player and uh, for some reason it, gets, it, it, it goes weak and, and cannot handle that. What are some of the areas that you would emphasize? What some of the things you would emphasize to improve that man's... I know it's a long process. But just give me an idea of some of the exercises you would probably impose. If I understand your question, you're mm -hmm. asking me what, what exercise might give a coach to engage an athlete. Mm -hmm. Is that right, Ben? Yeah, yes, it's yeah. similar. Uh, I, would, uh, I don't have a copy of my book right now. I just, um, I just got out of a workshop. But we do a chatter check. So, you know, uh, a coach wants to engage their athletes repeatedly to do a chatter check. Uh, an athlete wants to do chatter checks uh, and we, we know this. We know that our top athletes, take any one of our top athletes, any season or year that we have, and you're going to find our top athletes are always getting in here. And that's what a chatter check is. Oh. So what we teach real quick, Vin, um, is a chatter check. We learned that uh, the average person has between 300 and 1,000 words a minute. That's how we talk to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Well, if you break that down, Ben, that's between five and 15 thoughts a second. And so that's where our thoughts can get in the way. So what a chatter check is, is you're intentionally slowing yourself down to practice the skills of, of getting in the head. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we've learned about all human performance improvement strategies is starts with getting in the head. So a coach wants to be very intentional in their program. You know, a program is an extension of a coach. So a coach wants to be very intentional about developing these mental and emotional skills with the same intent they're developing their conditioning uh, and strength for the physical attributes. So it's what we call three-dimensional code. The old model is to develop athletes in a one-dimension, physical. Now we encourage coaches to do a three-dimensional approach, mental, emotional, and physical. Okay. How important is mental training for athletes and coaches? How important do you think that, that is? It's, it's, it's the foundation. It is, it is, it is so critical. It is, when we look back in history, it doesn't matter what sport, but we see an elite top performer, someone that, that put up stats consistently and redefined the bar of the game. We've studied them. And we recognize now it's not just about the physical attributes. Mm -hmm. It's now about what that athlete was doing in the brain-body sync. So uh, to me, if you really want to, if you're a coach and you want to take your program and your players to the next level, you've got to begin to implement mental and emotional training. Mm -hmm. And that's basically, the, again, the ability to get inside the head under pressure and be smart about pressure. Again, emotional intelligence is what we're teaching. It's a new form of, I say new event, it's been around 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> but in sports and athletics, if we go to the Journal of Science and Medicine, our friends in, in the psychology business and neurology business, it's still new to them. Mm -hmm. um, the whole idea of getting into the mind and emotions, I mean, let's face it, they don't go there. But I believe that the next level coach, the next frontier, 
It's all about mental skills. And I agree. It took us some time, especially coaches from some time back. There's a stigma about mental and psychological work because it was always related to somebody who is mentally ill. <laughs> so you, you put them there. And that was it. That was it. That's why I asked. You know, it's crazy. I, I, I have my own personal experience of getting in the head. It was in 1983. I was in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I got at that game, but I couldn't do it, which is what we call fleeting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when an athlete can't do it. Mm-hmm. But um, I began my own search. And so for the last 30 years, I've been a practitioner of this. And I can say to you that thoughts, I mean, you can go to, to major athletic development programs and they don't get there. They don't go there. Mm-hmm. It's all about kinesiology and yes. how the muscle works. Yes. Uh, and then emotions. Nobody wants to touch the E-word, man. Um, <laughs> science, Ben, that's what's nice. I mean, we have instruments that we can use for athletes right. and coaches. Right. I mean, even recruiting. Yes. That we can now look inside mm-hmm. and we can see these skills and develop them. That's what's so cool about that. The science lets us now identify and measure benchmarks. Yes. And what, what the coach will see, what the athlete will see, is, is a statistical impact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You show me that that you want an athlete to improve at, and we implement these, this program, these exercises, I'll guarantee you, you're going to get a stat impact. It's that accurate. Yes. Thing. Those are the changes that I like, what I'm seeing. There are so many things out there, you know, scientific things that can, can check on you. I mean, even physically, with the GPS system and all those things that can track you for how long you play in the game. And um, Using it to the benefit of development for your team and, and for the player is crucial. I can understand the mental part of the development to me is very, 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 very critical. But what I was trying to get at, does the emotional side affect the, the mental side? I beg your pardon. Yes, yes, man. And, and again, that's why I got to treat them uh, kind of independently. If mm-hmm. you know. mm-hmm. Because the emotional brain is in the way. Um, we're learning about the amygdala and the stress response system. And that's the thing. It's, it's complicated. So what we've tried to do with our program is make it simple for mm-hmm. coaches, mm-hmm. simple for athletes. And, and we even have a parenting track because, I mean, we all know, you know, the impact the parents play. But that's the whole reason for developing these skills in the first place, the mental skills, and the emotional skills, is because our emotional states, our emotional resilience is what gets in the way. And I would say it, top athletes and top coaches when you see a coach that has a program that can consistently put the unit together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or follow that athlete after the game is over and if they're able to again because the skill sets we teach here are transferable then mm-hmm. so yeah it's all about the emotional brain that we're trying to get so before we regulated yeah I, I, I get you and i and i buy into i mean i have i've, I've been converted to that mental, to the psychological um, training and the mental, I've been because I've seen if it wasn't working, the top clubs in the world wouldn't have three, four people who can would work with the mental game, you know, and they do. But in in the emotional side of things, are there any areas, especially that you can refer to that would? Because I was reading up before I even was um, started talking and even entertaining the idea of you coming on the show. I tried to do some research. And I, and, and I made notes of a couple of things that has to do with the emotional intelligence, right? If we can call this... In, so emotional intelligence, you could look at... Stre- replace intelligence with strength. You could do that? Correct. Okay. Because I was looking at a couple of areas where it says self-awareness. 
Yes. What's that's the first competency? Yes. So that 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 um, self awareness. So explain that to me a bit, so I can I, I get a better idea on my listeners. When you say self awareness, what is it that you, you're talking about? Well, I would refer to the science. So one of the doctors that I study under and have been since the early um, 90s, since he wrote the first book, and that's Dr. Daniel Goldman. Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Goldman is not in sports and athletics, but he is what we would call the pioneer, the godfather of EQ, emotional quotient, or EI, emotional intelligence. So um, again, you got 30 years of science here, Ben, and mm-hmm. when you look at what I call the math five, there are five competencies or sets of skills mm-hmm that are a part of the emotional intelligence. And self-awareness is that first one. Um, it's, it's foundational, you have to have it. Uh, self-awareness has to do with knowing your strengths. Uh, it has to do with the skill of optimism. I mean, I literally, in my workshops, we have a, a graphic picture that I could, I'd love to share with you that shows self-awareness and it shows the five skills of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. The second set of skills is self-regulation. Mm-hmm. And these are the two where when you find a top performing athlete, that's what they're doing. It's self mastery. They're able to be aware of their internal states mm-hmm. and they're regulating their internal states for that task. Okay. Um, and again, the task changes, right? Depending on what your sport is. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's again such a dynamic in sports that the it's changing so often. That's what's happening. You you're you're finding top athletes that are self aware and they're self regulating. So those two are those two are really close. Um, for a coach, what we want to do—that's where we start development. Um, again, remember we're in a development business, so mm-hmm. what we want to do is we want to start with self-awareness, then we teach self-regulation. Then the the, the hardest one to teach, Ben, is the third one—that's self-motivation. Self-motivation. That's- Why is it an athlete pushes himself beyond their last performance? Mm-hmm. Where is the skill set there? Um, when we were coming up. We got motivated by, you know, coaches that would raise their voice and be very aggressive. And But we're realizing now that it's not – I mean, I get this all the time. I talk to coaches about that skill, and they say, oh, no, we're doing that for them. We're motivating them. And I was like, well, coach, you're failing them because at 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, your stories are going to run dry. Mm-hmm. So you got to teach that athlete, and that's what we see. We see elite athletes having self-awareness, self-regulation, and then those those self-motivational skills that keep them keep pushing them. Yes. beyond limits. That is important. That yeah. one is important too. Huh? The self-motivation is very yes. important. So once you drop your head, very. that can be a problem. The one that I, yeah. the one that I uh, wondered, how would you integrate? This into the life of a coach or a, or a player. This, the, the one is about um, social skills. It might sound simple, but if it's part of your training, that means there must be an approach to developing your social skills. Give me, give me an idea what you would do for that. I compliment your research. You've done well because, yes. you know, again, when we teach EQ and EI to coaches, mm-hmm. so they can then teach them to their players, their athletes. Your first three yourself, and then these last two are social. So you have social awareness skills mm-hmm. and social persuasion. And that's where we say to a coach, coach, you can't treat everybody the same way. You know that. Beautiful. So social awareness skills enable you, coach, to that unique approach that you need for that player mm-hmm. to get to get them motivated to the next level. And then you got to change that. You've got to adapt to another player. So for a coach, it's critical they have social awareness and social persuasion skills. Mm-hmm. But what we're trying to do is transfer that to the unit, 
if if the sport is more than one, yes, uh, and you have a unit, then we need those uh, five or nine or eleven, however many, to understand the social awareness skills, so they then can, as a unit or a team, set new set new records. And that is important. You, you nailed it. It's, yes. yes, it's very big. I know, and you're you're doing a good job from what I can see. Can you use this opportunity before we move on? Because I have some questions to ask you about strength. Get back to that. But could you tell me what your what your work is like? What is it that your your company? What is it that do? I have an idea, but I want my listeners to hear from you. What are some of the things that you do at your well, company? As I answer that, I, I want one thing that keeps coming to my chat or my mind is that, um, and it, it kind of goes without saying, but this is you know athletic competition breeds pressure. And so, you know, the idea of being able to perform under pressure and know these skills helps that athlete in that moment, but then they're transferable. So when the game is over, if they know what these skill sets are, they deal with the pressures of life and work and family. So I just, I think I want to say that it's, it's important that it's, it's nobody perfect. And what we're looking for is these rapid recovery or corrective action techniques. And that's what we teach coaches and athletes about how you can recover quickly when you get flustered or you're out of control there. So, and that's really what we do, Vin. Um, I do a lot of business in corporate, been doing this since the early 90s. But when I work with my passion, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to work with a coach. Yes. Uh, we work typically at high school and college. But it's what we found after doing this, Vin, is there's just, it doesn't matter what level of competition you are, only very few right now are open to this new frontier of mental and emotional skills. That is but that's what we do. We're work coaches. Um, I love to do some workshops. We do workshops around the country. Okay. But my passion is to go into an organization program, work with a coach, work with those players, in some cases parents, and help them develop these skill sets that, again, it's cause and effect. If you yeah. go in and do your sit-ups for so you're going to get those six packs. Now <laughs> yeah. uh, we go put the brain in the weight. Yeah. You're going to be able to use it at a higher level. Now, let's get back to the mental strength. As I said, I did my research. And I, and I really, this is an area that I think, I, there's one topic, there's one heading that I like. Because I think if you can control the mind and your thoughts, I think you'll be more in a mindset that you're relaxed and you can think before you do, you, you take action. So the one I see here that's regulating your thoughts on the strength training. Expand on that for me a little bit. What is it that you're trying, you're, you're trying to get across to the client? We say regulate your thoughts. Excellent question, Ben. And, and it's based on the idea that anytime you talk about the mind or thoughts, it's scary for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's scary. It's a place. Whether you're an athlete or coach, it doesn't matter what role. It's a human thing. So once we recognize from the science and the case studies that all human performance improvement begins with getting in the head, um, we realize it was back in 2013 that I wrote the book Mental. Mm-hmm. And that's where we introduced the idea of chatter. So what we try to do is we help a coach, an athlete, anyone that wants to perform at a higher level, say, look, um, instead of considering thoughts, thoughts are scary. Mm-hmm. I want you to just consider what science teaches us. Science teaches that thought is nothing more than words mm-hmm. and mental pictures. Okay. They're just running at an amazing okay. pace. So exercises that I'll give you will have to do with words and mental pictures that are running in your mind. So what we're trying to do is make it a friendly place. And that's the whole message behind the book and regulating the chatter. So your lungs breathe. It doesn't need you. Your heart beats. It doesn't need you. 
Well, your brain thinks. It doesn't need you. And when it's thinking, it's words and pictures that are running. So the whole skill is being more aware of what words and pictures are running in your head. Yeah. So that's the idea about regulating your chatter. You want to regulate those words and those pictures for the task at hand in the moment. That's what's where always human performance always wins when you bring the words and pictures of the mind to create the right emotional state for the task. It's what we call the 3D. So regulating chatter is all about words and pictures. Okay. So we can look at the, at the layman's term. We can say if you can control your negative thoughts at some point in the game, because you might think, oh, I can't do this. A lot of athletes and coaches oftentimes use a negative. Like, for instance, if I'm giving a team talk, I never use the word lose. I never use the word lose. Right. Never. You know? Words. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's all about using the right words. What we see is words create triggers in the mind. And mm -hmm. So to your point and compliment to you, a lot of times in our dialogue, we will use words that create triggers. So right. I, I guess I don't want to get too deep on that right there. But one of the things we regulate or one of the things we talk about in coach and player relationship is we try to avoid the word control. We don't control the body and we don't control our emotions. See, that's that's the unique setup of the human human body and the mind, it's coming. You got thoughts, words, and pictures that are coming. Um, so at best, we regulate, which is, that's where the skill's at. For those that have negative words and pictures, which is common, I mean, we, we talk about the negative bias. It's a, it's a psychological, real thing. It's about um, when you messed up or you fell short, why do the words and the pictures keep popping? We've all experienced that. Well, we understand it. That's the negative bias. Well, we need coaches and players to recognize the negative bias because it does hurt future performance. Don't want to get too far off on that, but you, you hit a very big nerve no. for me there. I, I, <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah, I understand. But why I ask you about emotions under the heading of mental strength? A heading on there that I know you're familiar with also is managing your emotion. That's why I put both together when I ask you that question. Because one of the things under this is managing your emotions. That plays a big part in that mental development. Yes, that's an advantage. Yeah, you will manage, regulate. Mm -hmm. Again, the critical part is to think, because that's what's happened. Mm -hmm. we've, 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 in our earlier phases of implementation of this program, we found we were setting athletes up for failure by saying, look, you can control those thoughts. You can keep those thoughts from coming. No, or those emotions. Yeah, you can. So what we learned there is the benefit to strengthening the skill sets is that now you're aware of them. And when that thought or those words or pictures or emotion is not working for you in that task, mm -hmm. you can you can regulate that. Yes. There's something you can do. Yes. You don't have to be a victim of that. Now, again, we're talking about this where we're breaking this down. Recognize this happens millisecond to millisecond. The okay. brain body sync, which, again, that's why we want to do some conditioning exercises, you know, the other 20 hours of the day that strengthen our ability when we get in that, that, that competitive mode. There is one that is... The last one that I saw, you have to explain this out to me and, and, and to the listeners, because I, I think this is a positive one about thinking productively. Is that also that can go on a self-motivation? The, the short answer is yes. But again, if the more we learn about the brain, um, the more we recognize how the again, performance anxiety is the number one cause of poor athletic performance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, anxiety is an emotion. So again, the idea is being intelligent about these emotions. That's that's what we're learning. Again, we've we've got a whole new science. Now we've got neurology to validate it. I think I'm kind of getting off point there a little bit, but 
you know, the whole idea there is, is, is our brain is wired like an alarm system. And so this is what we teach in my workshops. So this, this thing called the negative bias is what pops and it takes the skill set of an individual to recognize that they're thinking about where they dropped the ball or missed it and they need to change that or regulate that. Uh, those are all skill sets and they're hard. That's, that's why not everybody's a top performer. That's why not everybody's an elite. Uh, it's hard to get in your head. It's hard to develop this. It's hard to recognize emotions. Yeah. That's why not a lot of people have been doing it. So I will say this just quickly, Ben. One of the quick exercises we do with every athlete, and so if your athlete's listening or your, your, your coach is listening, an engagement tool, reflection is big in this business. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's getting inside the head and rewinding the game cake. And one of the, I, just, I just finished up with one of my uh, young athletes. Um, uh, Shields, a football player, he's got offers to go to Stanford, offers to go to West Point, and we're sitting here doing our chatter check exercises. And the, one of the first tasks I gave him, as I said, I, wanna, I want you to sit inside your mind, I want you to rewind the game tape to a time when you outdid yourself. When your personal, when you put up a personal best that, you know, surprised you, surprised the coach, I'm talking about in your athletic performance. Right. But I want you to, what we're going to do there is we're going to use words and pictures and self-motivation. Because if it was your personal best, there's going to be emotional intensity. And I want you to write me a story about that experience. So you can see how that goes. An athlete talks about a time when they really did well. Well, we use that as a benchmark for words and pictures today moving forward in a development strategy. So, again, what we're trying to do, as you, you know, as a good coach, every coach says to an athlete, you're not competing against the other guys. You're competing against yourself and your last best performance. Everybody else just got to keep you honest. So here's where we can actually use thoughts, but yet you can go back in there and find the positive ones like what you were talking about right. and how we can embrace positive ones forward. Excellent. Yeah. I like that. I, I really like the idea of the headings, the areas that you pay attention to. It's all about being positive. That's what, from my take, it's all about being positive. Everything that is on here but that do with emotional strength and, and mental strength, the, the subtitles are encouraging and i think more coaches should maybe even just get the headings because what is being said here is if you read the words it's self-explanatory with self-awareness internal motivation self-regulation you know empathy social skills all of them are, are something that if you look at it you, you need it right in the strength under the strength you are regulating your thoughts which i think is a very 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 good one regulate your thoughts because i've seen parish where Half time in a, in a game, a coach came in and I swear he did not regulate his thoughts. <laughs> he, he came in and he reached into the player. I, I think he should take, before he comes, came into the changing room, he should sat, move away by himself and collect himself mentally before going in that room. And I think that's why I like that so much, you know, the regulating your thoughts. Managing emotions, I think, can be an outcome of regulating your thoughts. That's, that's from my perspective. If you regulate your thoughts, your emotion will also be regulated. So I think these are areas. I think what, when I saw these, I said, you know, I, I have to talk to you about them so you can explain. Because we definitely, I'm from the Caribbean, Jamaica to be specific. And I grew up not wanting to anyone to tell me mentally how, I sh- how, how we should go about doing what we're doing. And more and more things have changed, perished. We are... People like you have come in and show the importance by not just talking, but by doing. Yes, 100%. And that's, 
Well, so when we implement, what we say is, look, coach, um, we're going to help you implement this. So there is a, a classroom segment for our coaches first, but then we go to the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with the athletes, there's a, a classroom segment where we do knowledge transfer. We show what's happening. But the whole idea, like you said, Ben, is, okay, minds on, hands on. So now we're going to go out to your field or your court, put your hands on your ball or your clubs, and what we learned in the classroom, we're doing. And see, that's what's so critical is we're just athletes use their body and their hands. But now we realize they're doing it's something in the head. Yeah, the important part. Yes. And I think that why I say it's important, because if you can get the players mentally prepared, emotionally prepared, because I'll break it down to a layman's term or a player's behavior. Because emotions can play even if... The opponents are saying something to you. The fans are shouting some things to you. You get so emotional about certain things. It, it will affect the game. Yeah, it's, um, again, these are, I mean, these are aspects of life, right? So um, our, our MET program, our mental and emotional training program, is, is literally 18 hours. It's got several modules. And when I say modules, Ben, one of them, all my modules are, are models. Okay. That's very important. They're critical decision-making model. Yeah, I saw that. So one of them is the six-cylinder model mm-hmm. where we recognize where that career is at, but it helps us with what I call distractions because life, I mean, you can't explain that away. Life happens. Yes. But yet here, I still need to be optimal in that moment. So again, it's a way of just kind of regulating temporarily. So when there's a need now, I can now go back and I can deal with, you know, the other aspects of life, like you're talking about. So it's all about having models, Vin. I mm-hmm. think that's what our program is successful about is simple models. Yes. Um, like chatter check, six cylinders that enable coaches to get new engagements with, with their athletes. Okay. Thank you. My final thoughts and a question and you tell me, do you think the player's social background, would that play an important part in before you approach him to train him mentally? How he grew up, where he is socially, can that play a part in how you approach his development mentally? Am I understanding your, your question by uh, talking about the impact of the player's background? Yes. Yeah. Here. So the short answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100%. For example, one of the skill sets that we use in their measurements, um, again, we, there's 10 emotional intelligence skills that we can measure. One of them is achievement drive. Okay. Another one is resilience. And so what we see here is the impact of, of the family or an impact of a coach that may have been a little more critical, that's going to pop. And so, you know, and again, I, I got to say this on a sidebar just real quick, Ben. You know, we're all going to have a hijack. We're all going to get upset. <laughs> we're all going to have yeah. that. It's yeah. the same thing. Yes. But there's other skills there when that happens where I need to come back. And if I was, you know, go back to that athlete, you know, an athlete will let you ride their tail if they know and believe that there is a compassion there. And a coach has to work to establish that. Well, that's emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. So an athlete, as you know, will let you ride their tail to an amazing just to get them to do better. But again, there's an emotional intelligence connection there, skill sets there. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer your question, Ben, yeah, if you give me an athlete that's 18 years old or 23, I'm going to say to you, you got 18 years of bad programming there <laughs> that we're going to have to rewire. You have to rewire so, his brain now, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's, there's a rewiring that goes on because we do. We bring our baggage forward. You know, we all have baggage in it. 
what we learn in human performance, when you really, like you said, I'm really down to the seventh level. I mean, we're really down to where we break down a, an athletic task like a series of dominoes. Uh, we do this in the workshop, and we're looking at each domino for the corrective action. Mm -hmm. So we do. We really get deep. But the point is we try to make it simple yes. so that coaches and athletes are, like you said, doing something every day in practice as it pertains to their performance. All right. Now, uh, in wrapping up, I know we have discussed it before, but I want in your final words to tell my listeners, why is mental and emotional training important? Because of the way we're wired, it's the way we're built. It's the emotional brain. Uh, we know now through neurology that and it's not just in athletics. We see people getting upset all the time. Road rage. We've got a lot of bad things happening in schools. Yes. We've got things happening at work. So what we're seeing is this emotional brain hijacked. It gets in the way. And so the thinking brain takes a back seat. Mm -hmm. Well, all of athletic competition has to do with thinking brain. Millisecond, millisecond, decision making. Yes, yes. So the emotional brain is a natural part of life that we're learning about. Now we need the mental skills to regulate that. Mm -hmm. That's that dance between the mental and the emotional brain. Well, I thank you so much, Parrish. I think what we discussed today was very informative. I know you could not get into the, the details that you would like to get into because it's limited time. And as you say, your, your program takes 18 hours. What's important to me is that I think we gave the coaches an idea of what is needed to ensure that your, your players perform at their optimum. So I want to thank you again for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. I always look for things to improve my coaches and the listeners. And I think this definitely added to their educational um, understanding of what happens mental. So thanks again, Parrish. I really appreciate you having me on today. Thank you so much, sir. Thanks much, man. Thanks for listening, coaches. I hope that Parrish brought something new to your development pathway. I certainly got a lot from the discussion. Join me again next time when my guest will be Dan Gasper discussing the role of the goalkeeper, coach, and more. Thanks for listening. If you found value in the show, please share with your friends. We'd love to hear your views. So if you haven't already done so, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Make sure to visit our website at onthesideline.net, where you can access coaching sessions and more. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.